Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. We are here, episode 113, with Bryce and Becca. Hi. Hi. And Becca, or Bryce is getting pummeled once again by the aftermath of whatever <laughs> that storm is that came through. So there's no animals rummaging through garbage cans in our studios here. It's just a bit of thunder and lightning outside. Hopefully, the power continues. I think I'm supposed to get some too here in a little bit. Ooh, yeah, it's Andrew's jealous. He's like, I wanted the storm. Jealous. Everyone in Florida has to have things to panic about. They like the. I told Bryce that. I'm like, I'm jealous of your storm right now. Um, so embarrassing. Yes, that's awesome. Andrew, you're such an old man. I love I'm it. An old man. You're an old man. Yes. Who just then we're 30. disappointed when we don't get like beat up by a hurricane. It's really, it's really bizarre. I don't. I don't Until know. the one time you do get beat yeah, up no, by really, a hurricane, and you'd be like, "Oh man, yeah, why am I living in Florida?" Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's kick off story time. I'll go first because I have something short and then I might I might pop back in depending on how time yeah. goes. But it was so much fun this past week or so. You know, the episodes are often recorded about a week before they go live or so. And just, I think we had about seven people email me and they there were other questions, comments, miscellaneous thoughts shared. But at the end of it, or sometimes at the beginning, <laughs> they all put... You know, basically some form of PS, press one for prayer, which was based upon our voicemail that we got. And, and a lot of people also said that they did, they get the same Chinese voicemail oh. message that we played as well. But no one else that, I've, that I know of has gotten the press one for prayer option. So I feel like that's a Man. future t-shirt. Blessed. Right? I love it. Press one for prayer, hashtag blessed. That's, that's the t-shirt we need to that's make. Good. Yeah. That's anyway, great. it was just super fun. It's always fun to get community interaction, even around something that makes no we sense. We do need some more shirts, I decided. And I need to order <laughs> some new ones. I'm, I need a different size. Which brings me to my next story. I, went, I needed some new shirts because I, you know, I dress up every day for work. So I need a different uh, variety of clothing to wear. So I went shopping, which is I haven't gone clothes shopping at all since COVID. Right. I so I don't know what's different, but there's Target on the way home from my morning office and then a Coles right next door to it. So I'm like, I could get it done. Well, there's no, I didn't plan on like trying them on because it's a shirt. Like mm -hmm. I know what size I wear. I just noticed I'm like the fitting rooms, that's not a thing anymore. Like with COVID, which totally makes sense. And you think about it even afterwards, like, oh, you put on clothes, you didn't wash, like that someone else could have put on their body. <sighs> like that's disgusting. But then it brought me to the realization, like, well, what's the advantage of buying apparel locally? Unless that's the only place you could buy it, that thought propped in my brain. I'm like, why even buy? I could just go to Target.com or Coles.com, whatever it is. Yeah. Just add to cart. Two days later, it's at my door. I don't have mm -hmm. to wear a mask and go out in public. And yeah. hope they have my size. Hope you know they have the color I want. All those sorts of things. So I'm like, oh, hmm, apparel. I have found it myself changes. purchasing clothing online instead of going to stores now. Yeah, and if it the fits like decent. I keep it <laughs> because of that, like, because you can't try it on more. Yeah, or, I don't, I don't, don't want, want to, to go like, to the store. I mean, I'm all right with, I think the germs are minimal of transferring from be. trying yeah. on clothes, but mm -hmm. I just don't want to 
I try not to lick store. the things that I try on. Yeah, yeah. generally <laughs> speaking. But you never know. <laughs> not not for me, for the other people. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Won't look my clothes anymore. Yeah. Moving on. Same here. Moving on. So closing. Becca, you got a story time piece? Yeah, this morning I was getting gas before yeah. work. Interesting. And uh, up popped a rocket mortgage ad, like on the screen at the pump. And they're saying, get a rocket mortgage because you're guaranteed and the people you're purchasing the house from will treat it like a cash offer. Interesting. And I was like, hmm, well, I mean, that's a message. And generally, like I know when I was working for a builder, they didn't care if it was a mortgage or not, that mm-hmm. the highest offer would get it, whether it was cash or, or mortgage. So that part is right. But then I started to think about, but what type of quality of lead are you going to get from the gas station <laughs> television prompter? Maybe at certain well, times of days. they Potentially like- if they have you tied to their loyalty program and they're connecting that with Facebook data and everything. I mean, it's, in theory, they could be micro-targeting you for that because they yeah, know that you bought a house a year ago and maybe you're still in the system. But yeah, I, I agree. The other thing you just reminded me of is whenever, what, what were the shows with the real estate agents? Uh, Million Dollar Listing, LA yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Yeah. I used to love that, but they're always made a big deal about cash cash buyer. And I always right? thought the same thing as you, Becca. Like if you're the one selling, you're getting cash. Yeah. Like it doesn't, sure. who gives you the cash? Why is that a big deal? And maybe it's something to do with yeah. the 10 million plus price point that that then becomes a much bigger problem. Or more if to default, it won't but. appraise and they don't want to have an appraisal. That's a good point too. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Maybe like, no, I feel like no contingency buyer would be a better buyer. Like if they don't have another home to sell or something. Right. I'm not and that's maybe what, maybe it's all those things wrapped maybe up together. That's a good question yeah. for Anthony yeah. from Home Street next time we have him back on to, to ask. Rocket Mortgage calls that a verified approval. So not a pre-approval, but they're, they're getting fancy. That's, I'm sure yes. that's some branding yeah. strategy. To and Rocket Mortgage is also going public uh, any day here now as well, which is the, the first big spin out um, from that type of approach in a long time. And I think since the Great Recession wow. was the last time we had a, a a mortgage provider go public like that. So I wonder if it changes their regulations on how they have to screen for loan requirements. They don't have the same regulations to begin with. And that's why they can, they can advertise, you know, push button, get mortgage is because they're not doing the same amount of, they're not a bank. They're just lending you their cash that they have. And so they don't have to follow a lot of those same requirements that a bank might need to. Hmm. Good question. My last story time piece, why am I saying story time piece? It's weird. My last story is yesterday I went into a Starbucks and I booked airline tickets. And so I felt like it was a straight on flashback to 2019. Why did this happen? This is hybrid news, but we do have three events coming up this fall. And so I had to book my tickets to go to Tulsa to go hang out with my friend and business partner, Mr. Mike Lyon uh, for The Pulse. So by the time this episode is out, you'll be able to go to dycpulse.com. We'll have a link in the show notes as well. You can see more about that. But The Pulse is our, it is the pulse of the market. 
everything related to online sales and marketing, what's going on right now, the latest and the greatest. And that's going to allow us to shift the focus of the summit to more in-person interaction, as well as kind of in-depth on the marketing side, more in-depth, press this button, do this, do that. Whereas the Pulse is really designed to give you the latest and greatest, but assumes you have some underlying knowledge, as well as looking at latest research reports and overall best practices of, of what's going on right now. So it's taking advantage of technology to allow us to do that. In addition to the summit, the summit, of course, will be back in 2021. That's all out there as well for you to look at on the events page. But the Pulse is coming up. So I had to book my tickets to go to Tulsa in October to hang out uh, with Mr. Lyon on the big stage. It's a crazy setup. It is, I want to say they must use this for TV commercials for auto dealers. Like you could probably drive two cars onto this completely white backdrop, Mm -hmm. three-dimensional setup thing, multiple camera angles. It's going to be fun. But it was so great just to walk into a Starbucks and be booking flight on my Delta app at the same time as I'm sipping my caramel macchiato, thinking like, I do miss this. Like, this is not real. (laughs) I do want to get back out there. Did you drink your caramel macchiato inside or outside? I would have drank it inside, but the the Starbucks baristas, they kind of look at you, they, they winked at me to try to make me feel better about it. But I also feel like they're like, if you, if you like touch that mask, we're going to tackle you. So, uh, yeah. you know, because you do have to wear the mask inside. And, I, and yeah. I'm, I'm sure they have a lot of people who try to give them a hard time and they're on edge, but it's like, just yeah. relax. I'll, I'll relax. Back. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the news because we got a lot of things yet to cover and a hard stop coming up in terms of our ability to record. So the first one is the America at Home study. And someone in our network posted this. It's put on by a couple different organizations. Uh, you can look at it. We've got a link in the show notes, of course, for it. I don't know everyone's background other than that they seem very impressive. A lot of really smart people. This is also put together for a presentation at the Pacific Coast Builders Conference, which is now a, a virtual presentation, I believe. Or New Ground, which is a great PR and marketing firm based out of the West Coast, did this. I'm not disparaging anything about the effort put into this at all. I just want to be very clear. But some of the things in that really made me say like, huh, I wonder how we arrived at this. <laughs> and one of those was something about more than 50% would now, now want... Well, the headline here is buyers want different design features in their homes and they are willing to pay for them. More than 50% want germ-resistant countertops and flooring. Ooh, ooh, I was ooh. like that. Oh, go ahead, Becca. They're all germ-resistant. Oh, they are? Yes. Tell me more. Okay. What would not be germ-resistant? Is there an so, option? <laughs> Sponge countertops? So I do, right? <laughs> Maybe butcher block, but I looked up laminate. I looked up quartz and granite, and all of them are naturally antimicrobial, especially once you seal the granite. Okay. Sure. It's so maybe like, what's the cheapest cheap stuff that's uh, underneath that's granite? It's laminate. Laminate. Is that laminate? Countertops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tile. Yeah. Um, Concrete. That Concrete might get countertop. stuck in the grout. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. All of the solid surfaces don't. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Other things that I saw in there and I felt like, so this was a survey. It was a survey that was done. Mm-hmm. So it's not a study of actions. I think this, a survey done like in a vacuum of 
like that headline was buyers want different design features in their home and they're willing to pay for them. But I think once you have your, whatever you're going to spend in the design studio, then these choices become reality of like, oh, if I want the quote germ resistant countertop, I cannot have this because you have to make the choice of what you're going to pay for. Mm-hmm. And then I think this will look different. I would think like say the touchless entry, the home, if that's $3,500 or something, I don't know what right. it is versus something else is, oh, well, we could get that or we could get the iron railing by the stairs. Let's get the, the railing. That's better. Yeah. I, Julie's not on this episode, but if she were here, when we talked about this in our Slack channel, germ resistant countertops and floorings, I think if that was on a list, people would select it and say, yes, I want that, especially given the headlines and the health issues that everyone was facing when this research was probably done. If it was an empty box that said, please type in the things you want, mm-hmm. I would wager hard money that no one typed in germ-resistant countertops and flooring. <laughs> I just don't think that's... I so, so I think part of this is, and I'm not reading through this, probably they, they do a more clear job than I am of explaining what the use case is for taking this information and running with it. Maybe we have them on a future episode, Thais, as well. Yeah. But does that mean that we just need to talk about, to Becca's point, the fact that our countertops and flooring are germ-resistant? Yeah. Or is this we need to spec different materials to be more germ-resistant? I think they're just saying this is these are the things to talk about in your home. But yeah, I think... Would you rather I talk about germ-resistant, Becca, or high-end luxury finishes, like saying granite countertop? I'd rather hear granite quartz. And then, you know, if I was entry-level, I'd want to hear, hey, these laminate countertops are germ-resistant. So that might help entry-level a little bit more. But I would prefer luxury over germ resistance for sure. Yeah. And they, the other really, I think fun thing here is that it says garages need a redesign. 49% of millennials have made changes in their garages. 23% home gym or exercise area, 20% additional storage, 18% home office space. And when I read that list, I just think our houses are too small or people want bigger homes. (laughs) I don't know how many people intentionally say, I would like to not park my car here. But again, flipping this from the non-cynical Kevin to the opportunistic, what do I do with this? I mean, if you could build in a very simple option or included feature of a pull-down weight bench for Andrew, it's just like, this is built in. Like this setup, you just you can pull it down, pull the car out, you can exercise, push it back up, it tucks out of the way. There's certainly some something to be said about that. Yeah. I think there's yeah. a lot like save and leave the home office space. Um, Florida. Well, let's see my garage now. If they had, if the garage, if I had a insulated garage door option with optional, add a vent for the AC, and that would then give me the. I would do that anyways. Like even if I, my office is not in the garage because I have the space for it, but that'd be nice anyways, just to have have that option and storage space. That wasn't a. There's zero in our our garage. I think we'd be willing to pay for like overhead storage installed by the builder. These are things that they could do that could be not that expensive for the builder to offer or even just include, but show the interest as far as helping the product just be more 2020 
yeah. relevant. We're even having a slightly larger garage option. Oh, yeah. For us, when I had the Jeep and we had the truck, both would not fit in there. Yeah. <laughs> Becca, exactly right. Our house is almost done with the design phase. And we'll talk yeah. more about it as, as the process gets Ooh. going. We'll, many, many future story time segments sure. await. Every single time we make any adjustment, I feel like I'm also saying, oh, P.S., can we just make like the garage a little bit bigger in this dimension? <laughs> just another yeah. just another six inches, another foot, yeah. another two feet. And now it's, I think, uh, almost as big as our first home that we that we lived in. Just <laughs> like, they can't get bigger. We've got four kids. I mean, it can't be too small. Yeah. The last thing on this, and we'll move on. Two quick things, actually, is that the main takeaway here is that to the people surveyed, 3,100 people, the number one answer for what home equals is a safe place. Yeah. Again, I think that's entirely built around the zeitgeist that was in the air when the survey was done. That's not the first thing that I like. Home to me is still fam- family is first, but fam- family is number three on this list behind <laughs> being safe and comfortable. And then the rest of the people can stay here if they want to, but yeah. first it needs to be safe, comfortable. But builders are taking some of this messaging. I, I saw the CEO of Taylor Morrison being interviewed on CNBC, and she was touting the new live well standard features that they're putting in their home. Hmm. And it was all about whole home infra- air filtration system, thermostats, bath fans, more filtration, low VOC paints, touchless faucets. Is all that and again, already in there? This is me being... I know, right? Like That's already but, there, right? I'm so mean. Maybe not. The touchless faucets, if that's standard, then that, that would probably be different, maybe. But it might be if it's an option, then that option was. Yeah. I just this don't I don't know that anyone is picking a Taylor Morrison home because of those features above and beyond price point another home at a better price point in a better school district in a better anything. Mm-hmm. But if you already have mm-hmm. it, that's what I'm saying. The the positive side here is Realizing that you already do those things and then packaging them up into something to talk about, that makes a ton of sense. A little bit of this goes back to a lot of conversation about sometimes you do something and it's maybe better from a PR perspective not to shout it to the world that we do it because the skeptical consumer might be like, that's interesting, but can I get the better countertops instead? Or again, Julie, Julie kept coming to mind when we were talking about this was everyone who wasn't from Oklahoma wanted a storm shelter, but all the people who were used to tornadoes in Oklahoma said, I don't want a storm shelter. I want to put more money in my kitchen That's funny. or other options for sure. Storm shelter. That's pointless. Oh, tornadoes. Yep. Moving on. Holy cow. We're not going to get through all this news. News. Got to go faster. This one all caught right. my eye for sure because I'm one of these people. Social media lab is back from our friends at Agora Pulse. And this time they're testing if Facebook boost is a waste of money or is ad manager better? I don't even think that's a really good headline because that's a double like... Facebook boost a waste of money or is ads manager better? Yeah, it's Something confusing. Like is clicking is the Facebook, boost button It should say, is Facebook boost yeah. awesome or is ads manager better? Anyway, for years now, I've been telling you that the boost button equals Walmart in the sense that it's <laughs> Facebook's answer to how to get it's so easy to make an ad on Facebook that anyone in Walmart could hit the button and make an ad, but it's not the ideal way to do it. When they teed up this, this study, they said, you know, hey, you've probably heard all these smart people from the stage telling you not to push it, blah, 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 blah. But 
there's a there's been kind of a pushback of no, it's much better than it used to be, and you don't need to do it that way anymore. The boost button's just fine. Hit that boost button. Those other people are just trying to make it more complicated so that you can pay the money to make it happen. And to cut to the chase, thankfully, I'm still right on this one. Sweet. <laughs> I'm glad. So by a lot. By a lot. On average, those who use the Facebook ads manager instead of hitting the boost button got 17% more clicks, a 64% higher reach, and an 18% lower cost per click. So there you go. There you go. Don't hit that boost button. Unless really the only thing in the article says is if you don't know how to do the ads manager, then <laughs> maybe spending $10 on a boosted post is better than nothing for your company. It essentially says, if that's all you have time for, then maybe that's okay. But certainly once you're going into any amounts of real money, the boost button should not be part of this. Also interesting enough, there's a way to tell if the company that you're partnered with to do these is simply hitting the boost button or using ads manager as well. And that's by looking at the default. When when you hit the boost button within ads manager, it creates a default name for that. And it's usually says post semicolon and then something else beyond that. We we can put it in the show notes, maybe Andrew, if I'm way off base here, but you're right. It's like the the first sentence of the post. Yeah, exactly. So if you're paying someone to run professional Facebook ads and you go into ads manager and all you see is post semicolon stuff there, <laughs> well, they're, mm. they're, they're wasting 17% of your clicks and 18% of your cost just yeah. by doing that. So you might want to send them this article and say, and get an 18% What's discount. Up? <laughs> <laughs> Although there's, right. I'm sure there's much more, yeah, metrics going on there that we could talk about another day. Yeah, there, there, there is more. There is more to it, but don't hit the button. There you go. All right, we'll also have a link to this one. But just heads up, as of the time of this recording, the URL does not work. I think we've crashed the site already promoting it on Twitter and, and Facebook and other places. But <laughs> Bill Lublin, who is on the podcast, he's a broker in the Philadelphia area, wrote an article called "Why Facebook Groups Can Hurt Your Business," and it was. Just another version of, I think, what we said before of someone going into a Facebook group and saying, tell me everything you know about X because I need to do it is probably not a great idea. Like Sometimes you'll see that. We're, some, we're thinking about starting an online sales program. Who would be willing to share all of their follow-up, their systems, their processes, everything? Yeah, I've seen Please that do my homework for groups. me Yeah, because we're going to do this. <laughs> he says it a little bit more eloquently. He has a really wonderful analogy of learning from your classmates that may not necessarily be the smartest classmates or learning from a teacher. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. He says, I'm not saying that anyone in that Facebook group is necessarily malignant or are providing information to hurt anyone. I'm suggesting that asking for education from the other kids in the playground, (laughs) instead of asking the teacher for help is not the best way to go to make your career better. I think there's, there's one extra part to that that I've never really articulated is sometimes people are asking in Facebook groups those questions because they've already asked their own local teacher. Like the first thing is, and Bill talks about this, if you're a real estate agent and you just ask and then do, 
you might be going against what your broker wants you to do, what you've already signed on some piece of paper that says you won't do. There's all kinds of potential issues of not talking. Like your boss is your teacher. It should be your mentor. It should be your coach as well. So one of those points is go to them. And then his other point is ask the real experts, not just the other kids on the playground. Because, and this goes into market dynamics. You know, we've talked about this before. If you get advice, and we love everyone from Canada, but if you sell homes in the United States and you get advice from someone in Vancouver or Toronto about how you should be doing something, that does not, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fit, doesn't work. Yeah. Even more so if there's product differences, even the geographical differences, if you're getting advice from those who have experience with say only multifamily projects or multifamily, especially in like really high end uh, metropolitan areas versus single family homes in Texas, North Carolina, Florida, wherever it may be, there's going to be a lot, a lot different there that won't be applicable. Yep. All right. And last but not least from our friends at Facebook, Mm. Instagram reels is here. Mm. This is TikTok like functionality being built into Instagram. Yeah. And who's excited about this? I think it's interesting to watch. It's interesting. I still think the TikTok comedy, whatever you want to call it, the style, whatever, like in five years from now, we'll be like, wow, that's really embarrassing. And I'm, I wish that stuff would go away and like it'd be cringy, cringeworthy or whatever word you want to call it. Like, and mm-hmm. so that, that's that side. I'm just not a fan of it because it's very trendy right now. But I think the trend will very quickly go away. But it's interesting watching because TikTok is having issues with President Trump saying, I think it's September 15th. They have to have a buyer in the US. I don't know if that, yeah. I think that's the most recent date. Microsoft looks like it'd be them. Possibly they've their ad platform is terrible on Bing and on LinkedIn. So it'll be interesting whatever they do with that. It's just interesting to watch in real time. I think they've got a problem with how accessible it is to get into Reels. So if you think about at the bottom yeah. of your app, you've got the home button, yeah, you've got see. the search button, you've got the post button. Uh, then you've got the heart uh, button to see activities and then you've got your profile. They've got to get another button on there. Yeah. Because it's not just the fact that you've got this shared sound and you can riff on that and have comedy and it TikTok is different because you, there's zero connection required to who you're watching and you're just, you know, what they did basically was sit down and think that if we only want people to have to use a thumb, and swipe in a single direction to enjoy this experience. How should we design it? It's and that's just word? not like the dopamine drip of like how long can we get people right. swiping? So the fact that you have to go to the search and then click on the one reel that is showing, and then suddenly you're on a real wall where you can just do that same TikTok activity. That's too much friction to get there. And how do you my, search reels? My opinion. Can you search? I reels? can't even find it. Like, could I? Well, exactly. You just got to click on the search icon, and then the first thing that's showing—it's a video at the top. And when you're in the Explorer area is Reels and it's got a little logo. Once you click in there, then it's exactly like TikTok pretty much. But that that friction point to get there, it just needs to be a whole different, just like stories. Imagine if you had to click, make two clicks to get to see stories versus them just being at the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because here's here's why it's going to have to be a different button, I think, is you don't want strangers to be popping out at you when you open up Instagram to begin with. Yeah. So that makes sense. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to open it up and see a bunch of Mentos and Coke videos. 
Yeah. Right. That's not why I'm opening up Instagram to begin with. And I really wish they'd make the search page. I mean, I'm sure that the data... It's been broken for a while. I agree. Yeah. I'm sure they have a reason why they have it, but I wish it'd be more of a search page that was like, you could filter, be like connections and then connections of my connections only. So Mm -hmm. essentially like if Kevin's connected Mm -hmm. to somebody, I'm not connected to them. I would then see their content and be like, oh, look, they're cool. Like I'll follow them Um, versus some random account that I... Like, what is what is this? It's a car or something. It's not yeah. what I want. And I also think it's it's definitely gutsy by Facebook to continue to include this built into the app versus creating a separate app experience based upon all the other antitrust stuff that's already floating out there. It's like this is this is the same thing as Microsoft requiring mm-hmm. Internet Explorer to be installed when they're competing against Netscape. Yeah. It's just like when they put the stories, you know, which started mm-hmm. on Snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved over. Yep. I think this time though, well, and it's calculated because everyone's mad at China. So who cares if we're screwing China with this versus if they were trying to do the same thing with snap today, they'd be in big trouble. Yeah. I think they'd at least get more, more people looking at it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Rapid fire 360 topic of the week, (laughs) man, maybe we'll just do a second recording of this. I don't know, but we already talked about this on episode 109. This is a continuation of that idea. Most people out there still have way too many leads. Some quick examples. One single market builder that was on a call with Bryce and I this week, uh, in June, they had 78 leads. In July, they had 230 plus. In August, they're on pace for over 400. And they already have 380 homes in backlog that are sold, not started. And it's like, wow, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Another builder uh, in three different markets, but they last year they averaged 600 ish leads a month. And the last three months, they've averaged over 2,400 leads every month. Wow. And they've hired, I think, you one more do. online salesperson in that time period. Sounds like a nightmare, too try to manage that many leads. And Mike and Jen just did a Facebook Live with a lot of these same ideas. But what it comes down to, to me, just again, this, this is the most important thing that most people are still struggling with right now. You either have to increase your form requirements. We talked about that, I think, before. Adding more questions. What's your move-in time frame? Have you been pre-qualified? Um, anything you need to in order to limit it. Because once you accept that form completion, they are your customer. They have an expectation of a certain type of response and experience that we have to deliver on. We can decrease the marketing ad spend that, that we're putting out there in the world. Most of you probably should be looking at that. Again, 10 to 15% at least. If Remember, there are people saying, don't cut your budget when the pandemic first hit because then you're going to be screwed. And now you got people saying, don't cut your budget now because you got to get what you... Well, when do we cut? We just never cut budgets. I guess this is like taxes. They just always go up. It is okay to, but, but I, to real life on some of these calls, we have this conversation, division president or the VP says, sounds good to me. And then I <laughs> asked the marketing manager, how are you going to feel when your metrics start going down? Because when you cut your budget, the idea is the lead count's going to go down. The traffic might go down, but the sales are probably not going to go down. That's the point. There's so much activity that the sales are likely to keep going. And, and they, they look at me and the really honest ones are like, I'm not going to like that now. And that, again, you're hooking your wagon to the wrong metrics because as a marketer, you're responsible for sales, not just leads and traffic. You're responsible for sales. 
And that's the most important metric to hook your wagon to. And then the other one is just turning off particular lead channels altogether. And some builders are actually open to this. Over the last two weeks, we've had conversations about turning off chat forever for the foreseeable future. Don't allow people to become a lead via text message anymore. Trying to limit the number of inputs again to that team to make it more manageable. But even to the extreme of telling people, basically, you've got two options. Call us or fill out this form, but it doesn't make you a lead. You don't get to ask a question. The form is simply RSVPing for a future group education process. So a virtual event of some type where you will teach them the basics of how this works or answer questions in a group setting or education or something else. Even to that extreme of just saying, you cannot become a lead through a web form. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's crazy. My, my attempt at an analogy here is we've left planet Earth <laughs> and we now are on Jupiter. And so if you think about a funnel, right, everything is going to run through the funnel faster when gravity is four times stronger or 10, whatever it is on Jupiter. Yeah. And so we don't have a choice. We have to limit the top of the funnel so less gets in. And we also have to protect the salespeople at the bottom of the funnel by not letting too many out. And so we can't just make necessarily small little adjustments when we we've left planet earth we're now on jupiter and you can't say well when we get back to earth maybe next week or next month we'll, then things will radically change to the point where you're going to have to relook at it all anyway yep i agree on the on the marketing side i think if we're to go say just facebook and google really quick um, with facebook that's very quick to change you're pretty mm -hmm. much just changing your budget and, um, and two days tops for it to start relearning what it needs to learn from an AI perspective, yeah. if it's set up well. And you, depending on your budgets, it'd be interesting. You might pick up some efficiencies mm -hmm. if you were spending too much. Yeah. Probably not a lot of builders in that position. Yeah. But So this, that what you just said sounded weird. It did By sound spending weird. less money, essentially, you're forcing Facebook to work smarter, mm -hmm. more efficiently. Yes. Versus forcing Facebook to spend. Right. So it's like, there's there's probably some... What's the economics? What's it's the laugh well, laugh It's curve. biblical. No man can serve two masters. Neither there can the AI. It's there either going to serve the budget or it's going to serve the lead results. There's a perfect tipping point of you spend this much more and it's just going to cost more, even though you'll get more. Um, and then with Google, I'd say cutting keywords. Mm -hmm. So you're doing things that will decrease the spend, but it's more like, well, I'll do if activities that are that drive efficiencies versus spending less money, even though the end result is less money. Um, but it should yeah. be higher quality traffic. So you're just shifting your mindset. You're tricking yourself or tricking someone else. Like, hey, I'll be lowering bids. You know, get the cost per click lower. We'll be cutting out keywords that aren't as needed. Spend will go down, but then, you know, lead quality should go up yep. in Google. I had a thought. Yeah. With the spend that you're saving, would it be a good idea to kind of put it into a fund for later when you need to yeah, spend rainy day fund, sure. Yeah. Rainy day. Yeah. Or invest in content or fix your website. Fix your website. We're, we're way over time, but I gotta, I've got to get these two things out of my body <laughs> and share them with you. The first is that people who say, well, we're just going to fix the problem of too many leads by automating. This is why we can't have nice things. The customer's not going to be okay with that. You're okay with that. The customer's not okay with a, you know, one or two variable insert here things to, to make the email appear personal or semi-personal. Oh, look, they said the community name that I asked about. That's not, that's not good enough. I keep going back to Chick-fil-A, who 
has solved their problem with the, with the drive-through by using technology and humans. They have iPads. They're using wireless mm-hmm. technology. They're, but there's way more people in the drive-through line. That's why it works. It's, it's not because they, you know, McDonald's just has these crappy, hard to use, ugly, unsanitary, self-serve kiosks inside of the restaurant with no humans next to them to help you. That's, that's why they suck. And that's why Chick-fil-A is better is because Chick-fil-A says we need humans plus technology, but first humans. Mm-hmm. We can always solve it with humans. Humans are affordable. That's if you don't want to lessen any of this. You've got to go with humans first. You've got to hire. You've got to adjust. And you've got to hire. If I didn't say that, you've got to hire. Hire. But the other thought here is it probably makes sense for most of you to limit the way that leads can become leads and not necessarily dramatically decrease your ad spend first. The reason for that is not everyone who comes on your website today is ready to become a lead. So there's still value in spending the ad dollars now when you can get a bunch of attention to your site so they can shop and educate and learn and maybe they become your leads two months, three months, six months from now. There is some truth to that. So if you can start by limiting your inputs to how people become leads and bring it down or back to reality or earth level gravity, I think that might make more sense than cutting ad spend overly dramatic. So I still would say probably 10 to 15% is okay in most cases. In combination with lowering the way the leads can become leads, I'm more in favor of that than cutting by 50% because then that either means the 50% you spent was wrong to begin with or mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. there's other problems there. If you can cut by 50%, yeah, there's other number. problems there. That's probably all we have time for. <laughs> We go for today. All right. Man, that time just flew by. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else. We are online. We'll see you next week. Bye. See you. Bye.